Living Heritage Goes to Market. This episode is part of a series showcasing the people and stories of the St. John's Farmer's Market, from farmers to craft and food vendors, and more. Hello and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis. Today I'm talking with Zainab Jarrett. Zainab is the owner and operator of the Multi-Ethnic Food Kitchen. She sells multi-ethnic food at the St. John's Farmer, Farmer's Market, including African food, Caribbean food, Indian food, Middle Eastern food, and Asian food. She's also coordinator of the new St. John's International Bazaar, held monthly at the Farmer's Market in St. John's. Zainab, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. My sister from another continent. Yes. yes. <laughs> it is great. And this is your second time, I think, on the show. We we uh, we had a chat before, and it's great to have you back. Thank you. Because you're in a new home mm. now at the Farmer's Market. Mm. So I want to talk a little bit about that and, and the shift, because mm. I, I suspect it's it's a bit different from where you used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe to start off with, uh, maybe a bit. Tell me your story. Mm. How did you end up? How did you end up here in St. John's? Well, uh, I came to study at Man with the hope of going back immediately. <laughs> but like many international students, I think uh, I fell in love with the with the province and probably literally with the people <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, so many upheavals were happening in my country at the time. Yeah. I think it was a military dictatorship. Yes. Uh, those of us studying in Canada at the time were blacklisted as the ones uh, saying bad things about our <laughs> dictators back home. So yeah. I was blacklisted literally uh, by the military. And uh, I got scared and decided to stay here in Canada, in Newfoundland. And started a family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the rest is history, yeah, yes, as yes, they say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So now, um, I remember you saying at one point, I think we were having a conversation, and you said that you didn't set out to be a cook, that food wasn't something that you had thought was going to be part of your career. That's right. And, and how did you, how did you end up walking down that road? Well, you know, as a, as a folklore student, um, I took uh, food waste with oh. Dr. Paul Smith. Yes, that didn't inspire me or taught me how to cook. But I usually attend our Christmas uh, house parties, yes. and <laughs> I will cook something that I will cast as uh, African food. <laughs> yeah, to me it wasn't delicious. Sometimes I just concoct some things, and uh, people will give positive comment about it. Yeah. So something just mm, maybe I shall do something <laughs> more elaborate about cooking. <laughs> so from there, I think it just became like a, an anointing, if I can use that word. It became an anointing from above. <laughs> <laughs> and even up to now, I don't look at myself as a good cook <laughs> because my cooking is just informal and pure improvisation. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite thing to cook? Is there something that you love, a, a, a dish that you like personally? <laughs> Not really. Uh, I just, like now, I, before, maybe like years ago, I will 
pay attention to my Indian friends when they are cooking. Yeah. I also had a lot of uh, international students who are my roommates in Bottenspawn because I lived in Bottenspawn for six years. And each time I will have a student from China or from India as my roommate and I will not pay much attention but I will be paying attention to what they are they are cooking and I think I learned by observation okay, yeah. from them uh, in terms of uh, multi-ethnic uh, cuisines and then uh, I just started experimenting if I can use that word and reading about it and at some point you know the internet wasn't all that popular YouTube was not there with video for you to watch um, but then I will ask some of my friends with uh, the Multicultural Women's Organization yes, yeah. to like, okay, how do you cook, for example, samosa? I had trouble learning how to fo cut and fold. After stuffing, folding it was, I didn't know how to do it. So my Indian friend invited me to her house and taught me how to make samosas. samosas yeah. Yeah, yeah. And butter chicken, just by asking my friends, what did you put inside? Uh, they will tell me, you know, and then I will also add something else <laughs> like that. Yeah. So it's a, it's experimentation and yes. observation. Yes. And yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, how did you get started then on the, the business mm -hmm. side of it? Was it through the, the women's association, the multicultural women's association? Yes. I worked with a multicultural women's organization for a number of years and we used to organize international food and craft here. Yeah. So I will make what I would describe as African food and sell there. And I was making, I was doing well. Yeah. And then I said, oh, maybe I should make it a real business. So actually, multi-ethnic food kitchen is like a one operational aspect of uh, International Food and Craft Expo, which is my event that is registered. Uh, yes. So, but multi-ethnic Food, uh, food kitchen comes under it because that's where I cook my food and sell at the events and then it uh, kind of uh, developed into not just selling at events but catering yeah. and, and you catered, and now at catered the for, market. for events for us before yes, for our youth yes, heritage I'm so and grateful yeah. because each time um, I'm asked to cater that gives me the, the courage to, to try something different. Yeah. I'll give you a quick example. I was asked probably about four or five years ago to cook for uh, an event but the theme was Argent Argentina. Yeah. Okay, Ar Argentinian food? I, yeah, yeah and okay. I, I, I didn't even know <laughs> Argentinian dishes at the time but I said yes. <laughs> so I had to contact uh, Money International by then Money International Student Advising Office. The name was then one international student advising office to request for students from Argentina. I need some Argentinians yeah. to tell and me how to... And there were not many, but I was lucky they found two for me. Yeah. And they were so helpful. They gave me names of their dishes, gave me website to go to and not only download the menu, but they worked through it with me. They explained to me because the names of the recipes uh, or the ingredients were not in English. <laughs> <laughs> and so I cooked it invited them to that event. It took place in a uh, uh, basilica. It's the, uh, one of the halls in the basilica. Yeah. It was, uh, I think, a fundraising concert where this particular group, I think it's Ladies Cove, if I remember. They were going to yeah. Yeah, Argentina to perform. Oh. So they wanted to fundraise. So my food was supposed to be what will be served to the guests. I was terrified but I said, okay, <laughs> I have to live up to <laughs> what I claimed I can do. And But those two guys helped me a lot. And I cooked 
seven different Argentinian dishes. At, they were there, I said, okay, be my cotton guinea pigs. <laughs> so they were sampling it quick, quick, quick. They just say, yes, this is good. This is good. Yeah. From there, I say, okay, that means I can claim that I can cook food from anywhere. <laughs> I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, you, so you started, uh, you started then having, um, uh, a table, a booth at the farmer's market. Yes. And yeah. this was at the old farmer's market. Yeah, actually, day one. I was with the farmer's market from day one wow. at the Masonic Temple. A lot of oh, people I don't, don't know, know that. No. I was there the first day. I was introduced by my friend Bev. She's from Portugal Co. She's a farmer. She and her husband. So they were. She told me about it. But then I had a store at the Toby Road Toby Mall. Road, yeah, remember, yeah. Mall there. Yeah. So she came. and said, "They are starting this thing called farmers market. Would you like to attend?" I said, no. "She said, why not? You can cook something African." I said, "I don't know how to cook." <laughs> she said, "Come." So I made three dishes. And within an hour, I was sold out. So I said, oh, okay. So I went back the following week. It was like uh, on Saturdays. So I kept going like that. And nonstop, I was there. Yeah. And now, yeah, we are. And I I, had, <laughs> I don't know if I knew or if I had forgotten that, that the farmer's market started at the Masonic Temple. Mm, so yeah. that, that was many years ago now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was at the Lions Club Chalet. Yes. And yeah. and you were always there. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So you've shifted from that quite mm. small little yeah, space yeah, into yeah, this yeah. beautiful new space. Yeah. yeah. And what's it been like since uh, since the new farmer's market has opened? It's still an adjustment. There are a, a number of advantages. One is more roomy, that is more space, not just for the vendors, but for visitors coming to the market. Yeah. Uh, two... Um, we have uh, triple sinks, like those of us who are regular vendors, behind us. You can use it to wash your hands, wash dishes that are not big. You can, it's just nice. And also, we don't have to pack up everything every market day as we used to at the Lions Club. So, those are uh, the many advantages. Yeah. And yeah. more people now are able to attend as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know. Um, in the first, you know, few weeks that the the farmers market has mm-hmm. been open, mm-hmm. the crowds have been impressive. Yes, yes yeah, a yeah. lot more people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And are you seeing um, new customers, people you haven't seen before? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, you always have a very uh, multi-ethnic workforce with mm-hmm. you as well. It always mm-hmm. seems you mm-hmm. have a number of people. So, yeah, where do you yeah. find the people that you work with or who work for you? Okay, sometimes through order of my, but I I go through uh, the international student uh, advising office at Memorial. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I don't contact them directly, but through word of mouth, or some of them they volunteer at, for example, Tombolo, and I get to know them. So I say, would you like to work or help me at uh, at an event? Some will come contact me after hearing about what I do. Yeah. So I consciously try to diversify those who help me. Like now I have helpers from like from China, from uh, Nigeria, from Congo. Uh, with time I will have people from India, from the Middle East. I have a lady from Libya who has helped me a number of times. Like that. I just want to make it <laughs> diverse. And who does most of the cooking? Is it still me? The you? reason is yeah. because I don't have recipe. You know, if you are, <laughs> it's all in your head. You are a, a, a professional cook. You have a recipe. You say, okay, here is a, a dish. We put one 
kilogram of that or one ounce of that and I don't know that. <laughs> so some of them, if they want, to, they have to come and watch me do it. Yeah. Or I will mix something and say, okay, now the Jamaican party, I've mixed the dough, I've added the ingredients, you watch, and then we do it together. And maybe after watching me twice or three times, now you can do it. Yeah. So that's my problem. I don't have recipes in order to allow people to to cook for me. But uh, some of them, after watching or observing, and I've shown them how I do it, they to do it in this Primitive way, the way I do it as yeah. well for me. What What are your What are your best sellers? Oh, surprisingly, it's Jamaican jerk chicken. Yeah, I don't I like love spicy your jer- food. I love your I, jerk chicken. I am surprised because <laughs> I will cook a lot of it, and before you know it, it's all gone. Yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm shocked because it's not good to stereotype because people will say, "Oh, New Orleans, they don't like spicy food." It's not true. No, I, I'm surprised. A lot of people like spicy food. Uh, so jerk chicken is number one and followed by uh, Jamaican beef patties. Oh, yeah. It's hard to make, but uh, people love it, so I do it. And another one is a simple dish. It's yellow rice with raisins. Yes. Yellow because we I add turmeric. Yep. Uh, and people love that as well. Yep. And then our coconut chicken curry, people like it. Uh, butter chicken, when you cook butter chicken, people love butter chicken. So that's something too that people like on our... Yeah. Well, I will. I will definitely mm-hmm. recommend people mm-hmm. to go and get your your jerk chicken. That, that is one of my favorite things oh. that you do too. Yeah, and you're not a spicy food person. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I find that funny, but that's good. Yeah. Keep like, making it. Though. Keep I, making I make. It. I will make, and I will not even test it. <laughs> like sometimes I will test it to see if it's spicy enough. Yeah, that's before it is cooked. But after I cook it, never. I won't. I won't. <laughs> so now let's let's talk a little bit about the International Bazaar because this is a little bit separate from the the regular farmers market. It's yes. taking place in the farmers market space. Mm. Yes. H- how long have you been running the bazaar? Actually, it's new. The first one was uh, uh, Sunday, July twenty ninth. Yeah. But the plan is to make it monthly. Yeah. So uh, we are having some challenges, just like the farmers market is, you know, trying to adjust to new location and new requirements. So for now, we really want to promote it. We want to put up a signage by the community uh, market. But the city is yet to respond to the company that is supposed to put up the oh, sign okay. there. Because there's and signage bylaws and all that kind yeah, of thing. So, yeah, but we want to know whether it is yes or no. Yes. You know? Yeah. So that's the challenge. And we have so many activities lined up because it's not just going to be like selling food and crap, but we want to introduce entertainment, human library, uh, mob, people from different cultures telling stories about their culture telling stories in their languages that's what we want yes. and people dressing in their costumes and inviting people to wear costumes from other cultures so we want to make it like uh, a cultural event right. multicultural event so yeah and how uh, did the first one go uh it was so so because we promoted it but mostly through social media yeah uh, so it wasn't uh, the attendance wasn't 
as we had hoped. Yeah. But uh, we but it'll take time to yeah, kind that's of build what an we audience. Are, that's yeah. what we are hoping. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think now that so many people are going to the farmers market on mm. the Wednesdays and and uh, and the Saturdays, that mm. people will start to become aware of the other things that are happening there yeah. as well. Yeah. So now, what kind of what kind of uh, craftspeople, for example, will you have at the at the bazaar? Okay, so actually, when we plan we plan this bazaar in coordination with or. Uh, collaboration with the farmers market is separate from the farmers market but we try to involve the the farmers market manager and other members so that they will know that we we are going to be like we are going to compliment them. So I don't want to use the word rejects, but you know there are people, there <laughs> are vendors the who overflow. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the best term to use. Yeah, because there, there are there a are lot of vendors who cannot be at yeah. the farmers market. Either their products don't meet the criteria, especially the craft vendor. If you are importing from, let's say. Uh, Liberia or from the Philippines, you cannot sell those crafts at the farmers market right. because you have to be your products have to be vetted by the craft council, which is understandable. So those vendors can be at the bazaar, right? And the same thing with food vendors. A lot of immigrants want to sell food, so we want to actually make the bazaar as an incubation yes. uh, place for them, so they will learn about. Uh, food safe, Canadian food safety. They will learn how to sell food at uh, events and eventually be qualified to be food vendors at the farmers market. Yeah. So that's what we are doing, and the farmers market uh, management is aware of that. That we are taking the overflow and those who don't qualify to be at the farmers market to have an opportunity to sell their products at the international bazaar. Yeah, mm. and so like you're saying, it is an, uh, a process of incubation. It's mm. a training, a training yes. ground for yes. people. Yes, yeah. yeah. And yes. A, and a lot of these people will be uh, new residents of Canada. Yes, yes. Yeah. Some of them cannot even speak English very well, which will be difficult for them to work with the farmers market because everything now is official. And not that the farmers market don't like people who are newcomers, but just that uh, you know. There's a certain standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like now we're actually working with the food health inspector who works with the farmer's market and she's very overwhelmed with work but she's very helpful. So she's the, the these newcomers who are applying to be at the international bazaar are learning all the requirements. For example, you have to fill out uh, uh food license uh application uh form, you have to create your like a sketch for your booth you have to answer some questions regarding how you will prepare your food we are so they are already learning yeah. through the food health inspector as they are applying to be food vendors yes yeah. so and that's, that's so that's good, good experience for them for, them for yes, and, yes. and good um, kind of business mm-hmm. skills and yes yeah. yes that's actually one of the goals for them to start learning how to be entrepreneurs yeah through the international bazaar yeah, and, I, and I know that this is a this is an interesting statistic that gets mm-hmm. brought up a lot when people are talking mm-hmm. about immigration to Canada mm-hmm. that um, that new Canadians mm-hmm. are much more likely to start a new business. Like immigrants start businesses. Yes. They come and they want to start businesses. Yes. They want to, you know, develop their own careers. They mm. want to use some of those skills that they brought with them. Mm. So it's great that this is kind of an opportunity for, for mm. that kind of work to happen mm. here. Yeah. 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 Mm. And we'll get to see some things and taste some things that we don't see at the regular farmer's so, market. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, for example, uh, even at the International Food and Craft Expo that we do, I've never had a food vendor from Kazakhstan. But at the International Bazaar, 
there will be a vendor from. I just finished talking with the wife this morning. Oh. They they've applied to be food vendors, so people can try food from Kazakhstan. Wow! Because even me, I've never tried it. <laughs> we have vendors from Bangladesh, from Sri Lanka, which to me these are new vendors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, f- uh, food vendors or craft vendors? From food. Oh, food. good. Yeah. And then we have craft vendors from all over the world as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what year did you did you move here to St. John's? Oh, okay. I will not forget. Actually, even the date I remember. August 20th, I landed here. August 20th, 1992. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, what have you seen in those years that you've been here? How how have things changed in, in terms of the immigrant community or, or the, f- the multi-ethnic uh, food community here? Okay. In terms of immigrant uh, community, it has really grown. Yeah. Uh, people don't stay, uh, unfortunately. Not all, but most people, most newcomers, uh, they come, stay for a while, and leave. But all in all, even now, there are still more uh, people from various cultures uh, compared to the time when I came here. Yeah. Not just from African countries, but from all over the world. I think uh, uh, I would say St. John's has become a truly cosmopolitan city. Not like Toronto, of course, but it's not bad. A yeah. lot of people. Uh, from different cultures or countries are here. You just need to go to the Center for New Canadians or come to Mon, and yeah. you will see that uh, there are a lot of newcomers and uh, it's not the way it used to be. Yeah, I think you're right that a lot of them, mm. a lot of people do come and they're here for a bit and then they mm. go on to some of those communities that have larger, mm. larger communities. Yeah. 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 You, you need to start a, a matchmaking business. <laughs> I'm not good at that. <laughs> but you know, I do something that I say, oh my God, what have I done? I remember somebody, they were helping us sorting out um, donated items for Wikia Foundation. Uh, six international students from different countries. Yeah. So when uh, we dropped off, I dropped off one of the gentlemen. When he came out, they were talking in the car. So I said, Collect her phone number. <laughs> and he said, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. And then he collected her. So I said, mm, I hope I'm not trying to create something here. <laughs> so, but... You uh, might be good at it then. Uh, you never uh, know. And, so. then, and then people would stay, you know. <laughs> That's, you know, that's why you say that's part of why I stayed. You know, I came from Ontario. I met a Newfoundland girl, and then that's it. Then, yeah. you know, you get stuck here. Yeah. Like, just like me, I met a Newfoundlander and uh, got married. And as I think I mentioned this to you that all along, I think God used my education or coming to Canada just to help me meet him. Yeah. Not because I'm here to, the main goal is not for me to study, <laughs> but to meet my life partner. And, yeah. that's, and I truly believe that. Yeah. That my reason for coming here is to get married to a Newfoundlander. Uh, well, Truly, that's great. <laughs> there's a there's there's probably a Broadway musical we could write about that. I think <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> uh, I wanted to go back to something you said right at the very beginning of this about how you know you were blacklisted when you when you first came to to Canada because you know in my country in your yes. country yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that hasn't stopped you even in recent history mm-hmm. from continuing to contribute back to to the place that you came from. I know you've done a lot of <laughs> a lot of work with the the Boko Haram girls mm-hmm. and and can you tell us about the bus? 
Yes, oh, this as we talk now is en route to northeastern Nigeria. Okay, so it so left Halifax <laughs> on Thursday. Yeah. So I love this story. So mm. let's start at the beginning for people mm. who have no idea what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Tell how did the, what is the bus project? The bus project actually was started by Mr. Terry Persons. Terry Persons, he is one of the he's he belongs to the family of uh Persons and Sons Transportation in CBS. They own this transportation company where they, they are, their school buses yeah. uh, carry school kids. So you, if we've, CBS, we've all, but we've all seen Central. those yellow buses that That's say Persons right. on yeah, the side. Yeah, and they yeah. have coaches, like all these luxury tour buses. Yeah. So in general, I remember in February this year, because we've been chartering their bus over the years for Tombolo to transport uh, newcomers to Fairyland and to... For the festival, yeah. Yeah, Consumption yeah. Bay for our Tombolo events. So we got, I got to know Terry persons very well. And uh, I just called him. I said, uh, do, you, do you happen to have uh, a retired or one of your uh, school buses that you are no longer using so we could buy it? That was what I was thinking to buy the bus because last year when we shipped like thousand, close to 2,000 books if not more we bought old or used cars, cars yeah, and filled and them, with them books. up yeah. but if we fill a school bus it will carry more books and this year we started collecting uh, used clothing because as I mentioned to you my husband my son and I we went to Nigeria we went to the Boko Haram area from December uh, 2016 to January 16, we were we were there in 27 uh, January 2017. We were in that area. So not only did we s- we saw what was happening, but we saw the condition of the people yeah. of all ages, yeah. suffering, schools, no books, nothing. So we started collecting not only books but school supplies. So I thought that when if we are able to buy the the the, the retired school bus, we will fill them up with books, use clothing and school supplies. So Terry, uh, I thought he forgot. He didn't forget. So he went further and contacted me, I think, in March about it as a follow-up. He said, yes, uh, there's there's a school bus now that we are still using, but we plan to retire it in after the end of the school year, that was in June. Mm-hmm. So I said, "Oh, that would be great." So all along, I thought I was going. We are, wiki, I was going to buy that. So we were busy fundraising, so we could buy the bus. But he contacted me again and said, "Not only was he going to donate, the persons will not only donate the bus, but they are going to organize drive, like to collect clothing, yeah. school supplies, toys for children." Uh, books in schools in Conception Bay and in St. John's, like where they uh, transport uh, high school and elementary school children. He couldn't see me because we were talking on the phone, but tears started flowing down my uh, my. Because you can imagine, these are people who are not in the troubled part of the world. Yeah. They are here, they could just say, oh, it's, it's not, not my problem. Yeah, but for him to think like that, I was pleasantly surprised, but not too surprised because Newfoundlanders, <laughs> I can tell you this, they are the most generous people I've ever met in my entire life. And I'm in my 50s now. Now you know my age. <laughs> <laughs> so I I was shocked for him to say that. So he 
try to engage me in 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 the clothing, school supplies, and toy drives. And he organizes so well. He first took permission from the English school district, which was the right thing for him to do because he would be dealing with schools and, and children. So he took permission. They gave him permission. And then he contacted the schools, the school uh, principals, or I can say authorities, and they all said yes. Yeah. So he made up a schedule, set up dates, and each school was prepared. So I was there every step of the way. We would go to a school like uh, St. George's Elementary School in CBS or uh, Booth Memorial and, and other schools, high schools, elementary schools. I was always crying. <laughs> you need to see me sometimes. <laughs> and I was wearing glasses because I didn't want the kids because they would be scared. Like, why is this why woman is this crazy crying? Lady crying? But yeah. I'm imagining yeah. those kids suffering and here are people who care for them, yeah, yeah. not wanting to kill or kidnap them, but want to be to support them. Yeah. Kids coming with backpacks with their parents. Yeah, so it was amazing. So and that's how it started. And so now the bus is en route. The bus is full and is en route to northeastern Nigeria. And now we have a lot left that we are, even yesterday, we are making trips in storage units, bagging, labeling, and filling up the remaining vehicles here. Now we have six vehicles that will be filled up. Amazing. Shipped, uh, hopefully before the end of August. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for Thank coming you. on the show. Thank now, if people <laughs> if people want to find out more information, you have a you have a Facebook page. Yes, we have Facebook page for the Wikia Foundation. Uh, if they just type Wikia Foundation of Newfoundland Labrador, they will find the Facebook page. Okay, Wikia yeah. Foundation Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah. Say now, mm -hmm. I love you and I love all the work that you do. Oh, Thank I love you, you so much. Too. Thank all right. you so much. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm Dale Jarvis. You've been listening to Living Heritage, a production of CHMR Radio 93.5 in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Our Heritage Broadcast Assistant is Natalie Dignam in partnership with the Conservation Corps Newfoundland and Labrador ECHO program. We would love to know what you think of the show. If you have a question or a suggestion for a future program, leave us a comment on the Living Heritage Podcast Facebook page, email livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com, or tweet us at HFNLCA. Thanks for listening. <laughs>